Wellness Force Radio, episode 17. All the answers to every question we have about what sucks about us is in somebody else. And it's not in them fixing us. It's in us serving other people. Um, I find that when I'm most depressed, the best thing I can do is go help other people. I find that when I'm uh, most worried about my own life, I I need only go and connect with other people and see if I can help them feel better. And then I'll see that my life is much better than what I thought it was. So serve is number one. Welcome to Wellness Force Radio, where you will hear inspiring and passionate experts in the areas of wellness technology and behavior change. Your host, Josh Trent, will empower you with the knowledge and tools you need to take the very best actions in transforming your mindset, your body, and ultimately your life. Now, here's your host. Welcome back, you guys. I missed you. It's been a week. Today is an extra special show. On the show today is Chris Brogan. Chris is the CEO of Owner Media Group. Now, I had the amazing opportunity to sit down with Chris and discuss some of the most powerful subjects in mindset and what it takes to own everything about our lives, including the way we eat, the way we work out, and the way that we live and affect the people around us. So if you're into owning your own life and getting some real tangible strategies about how to put those things into action and retrain your brain, today's show is for you. Chris Brogan is one of the most inspiring speakers. He has spoken for companies like Disney, Coca-Cola, Google, Microsoft, GM, the list goes on and on. Over a thousand professional speaking gigs, Chris has interviewed Richard Branson, Paulo Coelho, some of my ultimate heroes in life. Tony Robbins had Chris on his Internet Money Masters series. This is a man who is going to give us some amazing education and tools today. So sit back, strap up the leash for the dog, lace on the shoes for the stairs. I'm with you. Let's jump into 30 minutes with the one and only Chris Brogan. Welcome back for another inspirational episode. I am here talking with the amazing, the one and only Chris Brogan. Chris, welcome to the show. Josh, I feel well just being with you. (laughs) Thank you, my man. We are more than excited. I have been following your work for the past two years, and today's show is all about ownership. I mean, you have so many different brands and so much energy around the concept of owning your life, owning your mind. You have businesses that are called the owner's mind, the owner's heart, owner media group, owner mag, owner fuel, and of course, the owner's mind podcast. So beyond excited to have you on. Thrilled to be here. Hope I didn't just make incredible loud noise trying to readjust my microphone so I could sound better. Like That's you. okay. It's more authentic that way. Well, I wanted to start by just asking you, you know, what is what is your physical practice? I mean, you're a successful entrepreneur, as I had mentioned uh, before the show to the audience. What is what is the importance of physical practice for you? I see posts that you put all across the gym. You're pretty real about posting your your photos in the gym, like when you're all sweaty and whatnot. But what is what is the importance of a physical practice for entrepreneurs that you've seen in your life? Well, I, I find that first off, one of the things that happens is that we tend to uh, forget about our bodies because, you know, we're incented to sit still in front of a piece of glass all day. So it's, you know, it's not exactly the best lifestyle if you want to maintain some level of fitness. But second, I find that I learn a lot in the gym. I learn a lot from, you know, the fact that the numbers don't lie and that, you know, the weight is the weight. And if I'm having a bad day, then the weight's a lot heavier than if I'm having a good day. And if I didn't get a lot of good sleep last night, I had horrible sleep. I know when I go to the gym today, it's legs. I'm going to be underneath a squat rack bar and I'm going to get down and into the hole. And I'm going to say, I really wish I slept better last night. So it really is kind of like your report card for a lot of areas of your life in one short moment. So I like that about it. 
And it's cool because you said, you know, the numbers don't lie. A lot of things that we talk about on the show is quantified self. And you had just put out a post on the purchase where Adidas had purchased a company. And I believe it was on owner fuel, right? So you talked about yep. Runtastic being bought. What, are, what is your thoughts on how digital health and self-quantification can actually help an entrepreneur? I mean, quite frankly, like, do you use any apps yourself? Do you use anything technology-based that really helps you move the needle for Chris? It, it can help and it can hurt. I mean, uh, I'm a Fitbit kind of a guy and I Fitbit with my uh, fiance, Jacqueline. Uh, and, you know, it, it's a good way for us to keep tabs on each other and make sure we're doing all the work uh, as far as getting in some steps or whatever. I mean, that's that's one really weird esoteric way to judge. But I use it as sort of a measure of am I moving around enough? Like, you know, when I look at that little map of how active I am during the day, you can see huge swaths where I, I'm sitting perfectly still because, you know, I'm an author. I write books. Yeah. So, um and I write lots of things and make videos. So it's a lot of sitting still. So that reminds me and it goes, you know what, break this up a little bit and get up and run and you'll probably feel better and go move some metal around. And, and so that's one way the quantifying helps. I use uh, my fitness pal uh, to track my meals, although I, I'm so love hate with it. Like some days I'm like, yeah. And then I'll go to a restaurant <laughs> and I'll try to figure out how to put the restaurant food into it. And I'm like, ah, oh, forget it. I hate my fitness pal. Then you have to manually enter all the numbers. You're like, you know what, this is taking too long. Yeah, well, you know what I do is I end up doing stuff like, you know, close enough. Like, you know, I, I had uh, some some Chinese uh, pork. It was like a it was Chinese barbecued pork, kind of very light barbecue sauce on it. Um, and I just found like Hormel barbecued pork. I was like, yeah, whatever. And this, is, <laughs> this is worse than what I put in my mouth. So I'll just count this as, you know, the the meal. And at least I'll, I'll suffer under whatever those numbers give me. So huh. that's how that's what I do. But that's, you know, it's not... I know you're really down under the quantifiable. I think there's some value to it, but I, when I say numbers don't lie, the, the numbers that I end up wanting to stick to a little bit more is, you know, uh, wh what am I doing on a on a bar? Like, is this moving more or less? And how am I doing with running? Like, am I getting a little bit more endurance underneath me for the speed and the duration? Yeah, it's really cool too because you talk so much about ownership in your life's work. But you know, one thing that I've heard you say on a show before, a friend of mine, the Open Sky Fitness Podcast, is that ownership also includes owning my relationship with my fork to my mouth. Can you talk about what you meant by that? By owning that relationship. Yeah, well, I mean, so it's amazing how many times people give us excuses, right? I mean, there's there's always some excuse and I couldn't do such and such. And I, you know, well, it's hard to stay healthy when you're traveling or whatever. But I mean, you really do own that last mile, that last little bit between fork and mouth. And, you know, sometimes when I'm traveling, I have sort of when in Rome moments. I was at a really successful author's house who is running this great workshop and he invites me over for a private dinner. And I'm like, oh, sure. Yeah. And I'm thinking in my head, this is definitely not going to be on plan. And it wasn't, it was, it was like kind of pizza, but nice pizza and uh, whiskey drinks that his wife mixed for us, you know? So I wasn't going to be like, well, I'm sorry, I'm in training. Yeah. It sounds you know? pretty fun too. You know, yeah, it was a great time. It was we sat around a little fire pit and talked quietly as we sipped these whiskey drinks. Now I, I did my best to like mitigate. I had one slice of pizza and a huge pile of his salad, and uh, I had you know two whiskey drinks and a lot of water. And so, you know, I looked like I was partaking and having fun, but I sort of kept to my plan, or at least I kept to the intentions of you know let's let's try to mitigate the risk here. But I find that when people are like, oh no, sorry, and they take out their Tupperware at someone else's party. Like, you know, that's not, you know, unless you're training for the Olympia or something, like I'm not dissing someone for having a really intense fitness regimen, but yeah. I'm, I'm not that. I'm just some guy who works and who lifts weights. And so I don't have to do that. My fiance is getting ready to go on a stage again uh, near the end of the year. Does she and, walk around with the Tupperware? 
She it, she takes the Tupperware everywhere. She's got right. you know the the six pack bags and you know she eating is a science to her. And you know I get it though. You have to be single digit percentage body weight. You're gonna wear a sparkly bikini thing in front of a million people. You <laughs> damn well better look right. She has a cool name too, Fitarella. How did she come up with that? Uh, so her name's Jacqueline, and her uh, she decided Fitarella was the story of her transformation. So she started out, you know, growing up through life as a bigger girl, and uh, she ended up in an eating disorder uh, scenario where she lost a lot of weight, but she did it the absolute worst way, and then had to deal with eating disorder stuff. So she went to school, learned about that, got a degree from the Inter- Institute of Integrated Nutrition, then followed that up with a master's in nutrition and. A whole bunch of certifications. So it's like she's like a trained yoga instructor, a certified CrossFit endurance trainer, and all this other stuff. And so Fitarella was like a story of transformation. So that's kind of where that came from. Man, I can totally relate. In my early 20s, I went up and down on three different kind of starvation-esque diets. I lost 90 pounds overall. And then it took me 10 years to figure out exactly how to treat my body with love. And I know you touch on that a ton and just start here. I want to read this really powerful quote that I was laughing at last night when I was doing in research. Uh, you say in 2014, your ebook about your weight loss journey, three basic reasons why we get into crappy shape. One, a medical illness that makes it much harder to maintain equilibrium. Two, educational issues. And three, our mental state and the resulting choices. Would you say out of one, two, and three, what do you think is the most prevalent in our nation? Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I, I say more often than not, it's our choices. I mean, it's, you know, we are for... <laughs> I watch people, one of my favorite games to play on Instagram, I'm, I'm super judgmental. Let's just get that out of the way. Like I am so ridiculously judgmental. But um, you're Buddhist. I, I am. But, you know, that's, we all have our struggle, right? Okay. Like that's, that's what, you know, if you're in confession as a Catholic, you sit there and you talk about like all the times you cursed or whatever. Well, yeah. I, I sort of do the Buddhist form of confession and I'm like, I'm so judgmental. Um <laughs> So my uh, judgment, like I'll tell you one great example of this, uh, the holidays. So come the holidays, I will watch people put up their Instagram photos of incredible food that, you know, I don't know, like Oreos deep fried. Oh, food or, porn. You know, cheeseburger uh, with, a, with grilled cheese sandwiches as the buns. Um, like two plural grilled cheese sandwiches as the buns and people wow. going, look how amazing this is. And then I'll see four days later, I picture them, uh, in their bed saying, can't get up. I'm sick or a doctor's office visit, man. I, why am I always sick this type of year, time of year? And I'm like, I, I know, I know why. Uh, cause you're stressing your body out with poisoning yourself. Um, so I think that, you know, choice-based reasons why we get the way we are is, is huge, you know, because we all do have choices. People are like, well, I don't have a choice. I have to work 10 hours a day. Great. Work 10 hours. That still gives you, you know, 14 others unaccounted for. You could sleep for eight of them. That gives you six. Hmm. You know what I mean? There's still, there's always something we can do. It's just our choice whether or not we're going to do it. Now, I love this concept of ownership. Like it resonated with me so much, not only when I read your book, uh, The Freak Shall Inherit the Earth, but just in all the things that you post. I mean, everything that you talk about, Chris, is being self-efficient, being responsible for your own life. How would you say, has there been three key commonalities in your own life that have really pushed the needle for you as far as productivity and just being a well-rounded human? What three things would you say that you really focus on daily? 
Uh, first off is serve. I mean, it, uh, when we get into trouble is when we start worrying about ourselves. What's in it for me? Why am I not such and such? You know, all the answers to every question we have about what sucks about us is in somebody else. And it's not in them uh, fixing us. It's in us serving other people. Um, I find that when I'm most depressed, the best thing I can do is go help other people. I find that when I'm uh, most worried about my own life, I can I need only go and connect with other people and see if I can help them feel better. And and then I'll see that my life is much better than what I thought it was. So serve is number one. Uh, number two, I think that so many people, uh, well, let's, let's, let's bunch it up into one small word, quit. So serve and then quit. So people do too many things. We say yes to so many things. Um, you, if your computer runs at 100%, it dies in about 10 minutes. If your car runs at 100%, it dies in about 20 seconds. It just pops. Yeah. And we schedule ourselves to 115 to 120% every single day. I just did it to you, but you know that was my own technical error. Believe me, my day is not very busy. Um, <laughs> Uh, so people do way too much and then wonder why they're not getting much done. Like they schedule way too much. They, they say yes to way too many things. Just stop it. Stop, look, you know, shed yourself of all your obligations and work about 40% of your day. And that's mm. what I came up with is the number 40%. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's people say, oh, well, you're not getting a lot done. I get more done than most people I know. And the reason is that it's because I'm not doing all the baloney that other people put in their day. So what have I got? I've got, I've got serve, I've got quit. And then the third is, uh, you know, plan, have a plan. It's amazing how much of our life we just kind of wing and we wonder why we don't get great results. Yep. But if you don't work from even the simplest of plans, how do you know what your results are going to be? You don't. And how do you know even what you should, you know, what you should hope for for any kind of result? So yeah. to me, those are three really simple things to work from. So valuable. Serve, learn how to quit properly and plan. I'm curious, man, you know, you're, you've been doing what you've been doing. Is it over 10 years now? I mean, how long did you actually first, when, when did you first jump on the computer? Was it like 2002, 2003? Oh, dear Lord. Um, so I started blogging back in 1998 when I was journaling. Um, I started getting involved in online spaces like bulletin board services and then America Online in the mid-late 80s. Dial up. Um, yep. And, you know, my first modem was 1200 baud and I felt like it was screaming when I got to 2400 baud, uh, by comparison, like one piece of text on paper, like one, one eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper at 2400 baud would take like five seconds to upload. <laughs> We could just push play and live stream video now. It was like never going to happen back in the day. Well, you've done the work. I mean, it's been a decade plus of putting yourself out there and teaching people how to essentially take ownership. I just bought your Earn More Customers course. I got the email this morning. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about what you're doing because you speak from a place of actually taking the steps. And I think that is something that a lot of people plan and plan and plan, but they don't actually execute and ever do anything to serve others. Have you find that? Have you found that there is something like really a keystone habit, if you had to break it down to one, that has served you? and just taking action and not necessarily being perfect. Oh my gosh. Um, it's a weird one. Fail. Fail all the time. Fail over and over and over again. Be totally willing to fail because people have such a weird like, oh my gosh, what if I make a mistake? What if I fail? What if I mess up? That's what slows everybody down. That's why everything gets stupid. And to me, it's amazing how much energy we put into uh, whether or not we're going to you know, look like a big dumb idiot. You know, If you sort of presuppose you're going to look like a big dumb idiot, you just get that out of the way, you're going to do so much better. And that's uh, the only thing that makes me more successful than lots of other people is that which should be embarrassing. Like when people hear this, they should be like, oh my gosh, that weird idiot just said, 
the only thing that makes him more successful is he doesn't care if he looks stupid. I swear to you, that is utterly why that is true. Hmm. So just having that, that fear, a lot of people deal with fear. I mean, in my life, I've dealt with tons of fear for public speaking. You've done like a thousand speaking gigs, right? Oh, more than a thousand by now. It's probably like a four-year-old stat. So, And you've worked with companies like Coca-Cola and just I mean, major, major brands. And I'm, I'm curious about this. Is there something that you see as a commonality with all these companies where is there a key point that you usually always touch on no matter how big or, or how Fortune 500-esque the company might be? Yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you, when I've gone to big companies, Google, Coke, General Motors, Microsoft, any of those guys, Comcast, Titleist, when I walk in the door, guess who I meet there? Just people, regular old people. Now, they might be fancy. Like when I met- um, They have nice uh, suits. But yeah, I met Bob Iger, who runs Disney. And, you know, he, he was talking about, you know, sailing. He, uh, he asked me where I'm from. I said, Maine. He goes, oh, Maine, do you ever do any sailing in, or sailing in Maine? I said, yeah, well, actually, believe it or not, once ever. He said, where? I said, Searsport. He goes, yeah, no way. I, he goes, I've sailed in Searsport. And I said, I sailed on like a really old, like classic kind of uh, vessel. Like it was like a tourism thing. And he goes, the Sylvina Beale. I've been on that boat. Huh. And I was like, the guy who runs Disney just like connected with me. Um, and, and he was just a regular guy. I talked to Sir Richard Branson for an article I wrote for Success Magazine about fitness, partly, by the way. Um, and Richard Branson was just so personable and such a regular kind of guy. And I, I've, I've met a couple of three billionaires now, and they're all just normal people. And I, I think that uh, my, you know, everyone's fear is what if I'm stupid? If you just cancel that one fear out and go, yeah, I probably am. But, you know, I got in the door somehow. I might as well talk to somebody. Like, nothing bad is going to come of it. Like, you're not going to die. You know, there's no machine gun at the end of this. I, <laughs> I would say probably don't visit dictators and test this out. But, you know, otherwise you're good. Yeah. Well, I, dude, in your book, The Freak Shell and Hair Theory, you talked about self-talk. So a lot of entrepreneurs and I think just human beings in general, Chris, there's a lot more negative talk than positive self-talk. An example you gave is like, how many times a day do you call yourself stupid? How many times a day do you tell your you can't do something or the kind of person that says you're not good enough to your own self. Have you ever in your own life dealt with negative self-talk and, and how did you overcome that? Because a lot of people listening deal with that because we're all human beings. Oh my gosh. If you Google Chris Brogan and depression, you're never going to ask that question again. Hmm. Um, I, uh, so I technically am uh, clinically depressed. Um, and of course I have lots of negative self-talk. So I wrote a, a little book called, it's not about the tights and owner's manual for bravery. And in it, I talk about this very real phenomenon called the inner critic, which, you know, lots of people have written about. Um, but I have this concept that what if you fire the inner critic and you hire an inner coach and the coach is totally made up. Like the critic is a real thing. Like the critic, there's a real voice inside your head that decides that you should, you know, give it all up and surrender. But the coach you have to make up. And so I have an inner coach that says really great stuff about me all day. Um, the other trick though, you mentioned my Buddhism a little earlier. The other trick is that I'm a big fan of making sure you don't, um, you know, you don't believe the critics and you don't believe the praise. Because if you do either, uh, they're kind of a drug and they mess you up. Yeah, man. And, and the ownership, uh, you know, another thing that I had read earlier was about owning your words 
because these words you state are the maps to your intentions. They're the triggers to your potential victories and are no doubt the fuses that light your current problems. I can relate in my own life because I had weight issues when I was a kid. I mean, I I cycled through a ton of pounds and it was all about the voice and how I was letting that voice affect my life. It's taken years. So I think for everyone listening, you know, Chris, thank you so much for being vulnerable, man, and sharing about your depression. And and I, I think everyone can relate because there's certain times in our lives, especially when you're an entrepreneur, you're going down this road of really digging inside. And it's not always pretty what comes out. Has, has there been something that's ever come out for you where you found, hey, you know what? This is something that I get to let go of. I get to give this one thing the gift of goodbye. I, my gosh, every day I do that. But you know, the, the way I look at it, and it was funny, you just gave me something to think about, which is that when we talk about self-talk and we talk about self-identity, you know, I have this thing where I get down to within 20 or so pounds of whatever my weight loss goal might be at a given time, you know, because they're my favorite goals to give up on. And uh, one of the thoughts I've had is, you know, I'm pretty much default in my head is I've always been a fat guy. You know what I mean? I've always had extra weight on and I never thought to myself, what if I were like a really fit guy? And I'm just, it's just been waiting all this time for me to get back to that, that default. Like what if fit is my normal and I've just been lying to myself for all those years. So I've never actually thought about the problem that way, but because of what you said, I'm going to try to give that a, a thinking uh, over the next bunch of weeks and see if I can f- use that to keep myself on the right tracks. Oh, so cool. I'm thinking of that photo. I don't know if you've seen it before. It's the, it's the really big outer shell with like a fit guy inside trying to break out. Have you seen that on social before? I think so. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I feel like in, in everyone's life too. And um, I have just rapid fire questions for you. And I think these are really cool because there's one of those things where you don't have to think a lot. It just whatever you, whatever you think of first, it comes out. And I want to ask you, there's six questions in a row. Um, let me know when you're ready. I will fire. Go. Okay. So every morning I... Uh, <laughs> every morning I, uh, use the bathroom a lot and then I, uh, drink a lot of water and start my gallon plus a day reg- regimen. Oh, you drink a gallon a day? More than a gallon if I can help it. Now, do you use the Sharpie on the side of the, the gallon and mark it as you go along? I'm not that clever. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I use a, I have a 40 ounce thing and like three of those is 120 and then I know I need eight more ounces. Awesome. Okay. Next question. Before I go to sleep, I make sure I've... Uh, peed. Um, and then besides that, I make sure that I've cleared out all those weird naggly thoughts that get stuck in your head. So I just open up Evernote and type them into my phone and then I don't have to worry that I'm not going to remember them tomorrow. Yes. I am an Evernote dork myself. Um, next question. What I'm most excited about in my life right now? Uh, my new book insider, which will come out at 2016. So I'm excited about the writing part of it. And what is insider the, the focus? Uh, the whole idea is, you know, that there's a lot of people trying to grow really big companies by, you know, looking for the big side of marketing and scale. And I think that there's a whole huge opportunity in treating people like they belong and like they're on the inside and what you can do to make uh, good business relationships happen. So in a world where they can buy from anyone, why should they buy from you? Hmm. My favorite way to de-stress is? Shoot people on destiny. What is is, a video game? (laughs) It's like a first person shooter, like Halo. It's made by the people who make Halo. It's called Destiny. Okay, awesome. Last question. What I love about Periscope? Nothing.
Perfect. <laughs> and I knew that was going to be your answer because I read your blog post. I actually was one of the people that reached out when you were taking spots for uh, the Earn More Customers group. And I got to say, man, there was a lot of people that were just so upset about how you didn't love Periscope. And it just goes to this kind of crowd mentality, this sheep mentality. I don't know if Periscope is going to grow. I don't think anyone does. But you touched on it when you said in your article, you know, the amount of energy around Periscope seems to be driven a lot by emotional triggers because essentially people want to connect with other people. People want to feel seen. And Periscope has this strong sense of saying like, look, I'm here, I'm here. What part of psychology do you think that that can benefit? I mean, I know we, we know that it's kind of creating this instant gratification, like limbic system activation in our brain, but is there a part of Periscope that you think could be positive for the future? Uh, you know, it, it's a technology like any technology. So, you know, a pencil isn't evil or good, but I can write hate or love with it. Um, I can tell you for sure that the whole concept of, you know, something like a periscope is, hey, live streaming. So there's a tool you can use to, you know, report what's going on. It's, it's incumbent on people to make what's going on actually something worth watching. And so I think that the challenge is with a tool like Periscope or anything else is that, you know, are you there for some kind of gratification or are you there because it, you know, improves your life or your business? I'm a business person. I'm a business advisor. So my job is to tell people you really probably shouldn't spend any time on this. It's not going to make you any money. Um, and then people always said these weird long taily kind of answers to like, well, you know, you get lots of engagement and then people will like you more and then maybe they'll buy. And I just feel like, you know, maybe they'll buy is like saying instead of going to the gym, um, you should go to the grocery store and every now and again lift a heavy thing up and you'll sometimes probably get a decent workout sometimes if you think about it. Hmm. Um, it's just not a really good yield for your time spent. And I think that in a world where everyone feels like they're so overwhelmed and don't have enough time to do the things they want to do, I cannot fathom why people fall in love with things that aren't especially successful. And so what I feel is that... Uh, you know, you can like Periscope. Uh, you know, I, I like lots of things that aren't good for me, um, but it's your I like choice. Brownies. Yeah, I was. Just, I like Oreo cookies. <laughs> uh, you know, I like adult movies. You know, there's lots of things I like that I'm not supposed to like, but <laughs> yeah. You know, none of them pay me anything, and a lot of them usually, you know, I have work I've got to do afterwards. So, yeah. Well, it's just, it's an ownership of your habits. And I know that you have read, I almost feel like you've interviewed a lot of people from SealFit. They, they're right down the street, Chris. I, I can actually walk to SealFit. So I got to volunteer last year at Mark Devine's event where he took people through this week journey. You wow. got to come this year. It's amazing. It's here in Encinitas. Um, I think it would really resonate with you. I think it's in December, like the first week of December. So you should check that out. Wow, I would. I'm like totally afraid of Commander to Divine because I, I think that, you know, I don't know if I'm in seal fed shape for it, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, no, no, I, it's it's a workshop for people that are business people, entrepreneurs. Oh, I can do. Yeah, it's really I can do really that cool. all day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you 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 have mentioned his work and I'm I'm sure you and Mark have had conversations around mental and physical practice and I'm curious, you know, just a couple gems from from what you learned from Mark if you could share with the audience. Uh, you know, he's written some incredible stuff. The Unbeatable Mind is probably my favorite. I got there last. I started with uh, The Way of the Seal and then Eight Weeks to Seal Fit, and then I found Unbeatable Mind. He uh, he wrote all three kind of in the same rough time frame, so there's a, there's a lot of back and forth between them concept-wise. Um, I've studied a lot of special operators. I, I'm, I'm very interested in that community as for what it does for resilience and mental toughness. That's what my fiancé's... Um, 
uh, part of her dissertation and stuff is in the in her PhD is studying mental toughness and mind body medicine. So uh, it's interesting because a lot of what he talks about uh, relates a lot to uh, certain Zen practices. He's got a, he's got a lot about you know the feeding the courage wolf versus the fear wolf. There's a lot of things that I think he offers that he he's broken into very applicable uh, concepts that we can use for our life or our business, and I think that that's really the real win is that you can come and really pick up some great stuff from it. Mm. That'll be cool, man. Well, I'll I'll make sure to send that to you and and post some information on that. My last question is about where you see yourself in the future. You know, what you're creating, you have a new book coming out. Do you have any physical goals that you're working towards right now and maybe spread some of that energy to the audience? Well, uh, for fitness, I've done a, I did a Spartan sprint. Uh, I'm friends also with Joe DeSena who runs a Spartan race and I did a Spartan sprint. I'm probably going to want to up that and pick up a different distance or I'll just do a different sprint in a different location because, you know, I certainly, you know, training for longer events is more time than I, than I have normally. So that's probably one good fitness goal, uh, that, and, you know, I'm, I'm ever, back and forth on chasing uh, decent powerlifting scores. I'm, I'm really weak in uh, bench press, so it takes me a lot to get up there, but I'm doing my best to try to put some nicer numbers on the bars. So those are, I guess, my physical goals. Awesome. And I'm sure you can solve, I, I've, I've seen you post before about Mark Ripito. So y- you and him still do work together or is he giving you some tools and you have moved forward? You know, uh, so Coach Ripito, uh, he he was never directly my coach, except that he just recommended, you know, stop doing all these dumb things and do starting strength. And uh, there's a new app. It's either out or coming out for starting strength. And I, I put it down onto my phone and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I got to get back to this because he's, he's just, he's preached the same thing since like 1978, which is do the damn basics. Like don't do all the weird things. And I, I kind of run off on, you know, I, I land myself in men's fitnessville and, (laughs) and you know, I'm jiggling kettlebells or something like that. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with kettlebells. Don't anyone call and hate, but you know, it's just the basics. It's, it's, it's bench, it's deadlift, it's squat, it's uh, chin-ups. And that's about it. And, you know, everything else is just in support of that. And I've got to get back there. Man, when I hear Mark Rivito speak, I almost get this feeling like he could have been a weightlifting coach from like Tombstone. You know, that movie Tombstone, the guys with the big mustaches. He just has that cool kind of trusted, older authenticness to him. Have you guys ever met in person? We haven't met in person. Uh, I've tried a couple different times to uh, come out to one of his events, but the scheduling just hasn't quite laid it up. Well, Chris, thank you for for coming on the show today, man. I, I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to diving more into the Earn More Customers course. And the last question I have before we say goodbye is, what is your definition of wellness? Uh, my definition of wellness is is really being prepared and ready for what life's going to throw at you. The way I look at it is you've really got to be, you know, kind of set for training. You've got to be really put together into, you know, whatever goals you're going to go after your training to actually accomplish them. Awesome. And people can learn more about you. Do you have a specific couple of sites? I mean, there's lots of owner fuel and owner mag and things like that, but for your book and for the things that you're really passionate about, where should people check you out when the interview posts? You know what? The easiest place is just chrisbrogan.com because I'll always point you where I need you to look. Awesome. Chris Brogan, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. Head on over to wellnessforce.com slash radio for all the links, show notes, and bonus content. If you're interested in changing old habits with new technology, download your free digital health transformation guide at wellnessforce.com slash radio. 